You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Many of us have heard the saying in life that there are two things that are certain absolutes in life, uh, death and Taxes, yes. I would like to maybe add just a third word to that list, and that would be the word change. Death, taxes, and change. As a matter of fact, some would say that the only permanent thing in life is change. Now, I was born and uh, raised in Davenport, Iowa, and I had been living there, you know, for the first 20 years of my life, and I was in the same home there since about the age of two. And during uh, those years of living there, the changes in that area, my, my home, my neighborhood, uh, were usually very, very slow and very subtle. It didn't seem like much changed about my home, my surroundings, you know, uh, while I was living there. After I went off to college, I would be gone from home for several months at a time, and it just kind of seemed like the changes kind of became more frequent and more noticeable. I remember a huge tree that one of the neighbors had in their yard, and it was a tree that we climbed in hundreds of times as kids. And one time I'd come back from college, and the tree had been struck by lightning and was just, you know, completely removed. It was gone. And and I remember coming back home the first time uh, since that tree had been removed, and I was just struck by how different it made everything else in that neighborhood look and feel. It was the same place, but it just felt so different. Now, when I go back to the house I grew up in, as a matter of fact, I was there uh, this past Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and and as again, I'm just driving around certain areas and sections of Davenport, there just are places I don't even recognize anymore. I mean, so much has changed there. The cow pasture, huge cow pasture, we used to sled ride in every winter, is now gone, and in its place is like this whole new uh, subdivision. Uh, of houses. The wooded areas behind us where we would often play hide-and-go-seek are now fenced in backyards. There's miles and miles of open fields are now businesses, apartments, and homes because so much has changed over the last several decades, and I'm sure more change will keep coming because, again, change is inevitable. And change is one of those things that has kind of motivated me in this series we're doing right now called Magnetic. And here's the thing, if you were to go back over 2,000 years ago to the early church, to the first church, it would amaze you how much has changed over those 2,000 years. Now, I want you to understand what I mean by the word church uh, because, again, sometimes uh, people associate the word church with religion. And, And that's why more and more people will tell you that they are, quote, spiritual, but really don't have any use for organized religion, meaning the church. Other people associate the word church with maybe a specific denomination. So when you mention the church, they're kind of thinking Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran. There are others who kind of associate the church with a location. So when they think about church, they kind of think of a building or or what they would conditionally call or traditionally call a sanctuary. 
Now what is amazing to me is, is that although the word church occurs over a hundred times in the New Testament, it is never used in any one of those three ways. Now, the word church literally means a gathering. In the Greek, that's what they used. The word ecclesia was really a gathering, specifically a gathering of people. And again, you don't need a religious bureaucracy. You don't need a denominational branding. Again, I'm not against denominations or a specific building to have church. To have church, all you really need is people. And that's the purpose of the church is really to reach the people, to reach your community, and to draw people into the church and into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, 2,000 years ago, the, the earliest church, the first church, they had such a magnetic draw and attraction that is hard to match today. The growth of the early church, it was so expansive, it was so rapid, it was so explosive that they wrote an entire book in the Bible to record what happened, and it is called the book of Acts. As a matter of fact, our church is kind of reading through the book of Acts uh, together this month. And that early church, which was really formed right after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ, that original church started out with about 120 people. And you remember that one of the earliest, uh, the original 12 disciples, Peter, he stands up during this festival called Pentecost and in the middle of the city of Jerusalem. And he stands there and he preaches the first Christian sermon and the result is found there in Acts chapter 2 verse 41. And it says those who accepted Peter's message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And so Acts tells us after that one brief sermon, the church goes from 120 to over 3,000. And from that moment on, as you continue to read the history of the early church, that repeats itself over and over. And you just find and you read time after time how the growth of the church would not stop. We see in Acts chapter 2 verse 47, and the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Acts 4.4, 4, but many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Acts chapter 6, verse 7 again, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, tells us 10 different times how the early church was growing and thousands were being added and more and more people were coming daily to know the Lord. And again, the church then, it was definitely magnetic. So what was one of the big magnets that drew people to this early church? What, what was the magnet that drew people into that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Again, Acts kind of gives us some clues and some insight into that. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, said those who accepted his message, Peter's message, were baptized. Acts 2, 42, the next verse says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Acts 4, 4, but many who heard the message believed. And Acts chapter 6, verse 7, so the word of God spread. 
Again, the secret sauce to the explosive, expansive growth of the early church. Again, it was their steadfast commitment and faithfulness to the teaching and the preaching of God's word. Because see, back then, the only thing the early church really had to attract and to draw people was their witness. And you find in the sixth chapter of the book of Acts, there occurs an event that had it not really been handled correctly, Christianity could have potentially been stopped dead in its tracks, and the church could have potentially crashed and burned before it really had an opportunity to get off the ground. Let me just kind of briefly explain what happened. The church back then, uh, by, by a certain time, was made up of thousands and thousands of people, and it was not a homogenous group. It was a very, very multicultural, multi-ethnic crowd. There were people from all over Jerusalem, outside of Jerusalem, who, who had come to this festival, this feast called Pentecost, and now they have come to know Jesus, and, and they're hungering and thirsting to know more and more about him. They wanted to learn more about their newfound faith in Jesus Christ. And among this large group of people, there were a number of widows in the church. Some of these widows were Jewish converts, and there were some who were of a Greek background. They spoke different languages. They were from different cultures. And the only thing that these widows had in common was they were hungry. And the church had undertaken the responsibility of feeding these widows, and this certain group of Greek widows kind of felt that uh, they were not getting their fair share of the distribution of bread. And so the early church had this problem of a bunch of angry, hungry women. And this is a lethal combination, amen? So by default, everyone is kind of turning uh, to these uh, original 11 disciples to solve the problem. And so they, they make this decision that I believed really uh, saved the growth of the church and the progress of the Christian faith. And we read there in Acts uh, chapter 6, verse 2, it says, So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So why were they so adamant that they would not give up the preaching and the teaching of God's word? Because they knew if they quit teaching, they quit preaching God's word, the church would quit growing. If the church quit growing, they knew Christianity would soon come to an end. There would be no more disciples. And so they select a group of men. We now know them as deacons. And they are selected to take over this part of the church ministry so that they could continue focusing and prioritizing the teaching and preaching of God's word. And the, the most amazing thing happens when they made this crucial decision Acts chapter 6, verse 7, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased, or your translations may say multiplied rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, some of us maybe would have expected verse 7 to say something like this, and the widows were fed and everybody lived happily ever after. 
That's not what happened. The widows were fed. Mama was happy. But the most important thing that happened is the word of God continued to spread and the number of disciples increased rapidly and a large number of the Jewish priests became obedient. And all of that happened because they made the intentional decision to remain focused and to prioritize the teaching and the preaching of God's word. Now, all of that is kind of just a backdrop, and I want to just share with you out of that three very, very brief truths that every church and I think every Christian should remember because I think in that it gives to us what I believe is the magnet that the early church had. And again, it's the magnet we want to continue to have. And remember, a magnetic church is simply made up of magnetic people, right? So what the early church did there is what we need to do and continue to do today. So the first thing is we've got to emphasize the priority of God's word. Now, Acts chapter 6, verse 7 kind of says, so the word of God spread. Now, that word spread in the Greek language, it's a very interesting word. It's a Greek word which literally means to grow or to increase. Now, I don't think that they're referring uh, so much to size as much as I think they mean. It just kind of got broader in scope. There was more and more preaching and teaching of the word of God. And that teaching was going deeper and deeper into the hearts and the lives of both believers and unbelievers as it should. And it wasn't that God's word got bigger, but that just God's word had been freed. It had been prioritized. And in that, it had increased more and more into the hearts, into the minds, into the lives of the people because the apostles had been freed up to make that their sole focus of the teaching and preaching of God's word. And people were changed by that. Remember the apostles, I mean, they had been tempted. I mean, they were kind of being requested. They were almost kind of being pressured into putting the word of God aside to quit preaching and teaching the word of God and to make the priority and their focus the feeding of these widows waiting on tables and doing a myriad of other things that were good They just were not the things they were called to do. They were not the best things. And Luke gives us a clue as to why this would have been an unmitigated disaster for both the church and unbelievers. In verse 2, he quotes the apostles as saying that to neglect the ministry of the word of God would be a grave mistake. And in verse 7, you see, we've, we've read that he reports what happened. Because again, they intentionally deliberately chose not to forsake the ministry, the preaching, the teaching of the word of God. And the point is the word of God kept spreading, the church kept growing, and the magnet kept drawing because the apostles did not make the strategic mistake of prioritizing anything else above the teaching and preaching of God's word. See, to me, the greatest threat to the the church and Christianity, it will always be anything that threatens the priority and the authority of the preaching and teaching of God's word. And that is one of the things 
that drew the, the people to the early church. Another thing that drew the people to the early church back then, another magnet, again, was its worship. But, but then, as now, oftentimes people kind of make the mistake when they think about worship, when it comes to worship, and they kind of think of worship as really only kind of music or singing. And again, it's important to understand here, just as it was understood back there in the early church, there is an inseparable link between the worship of God and the word of God. It's inseparable. You cannot have one without the other. Preacher and author John R.W. Stott, he, he once said this. He said, word and worship belong indissolubly to each other. All worship is an intelligent and loving response to the revelation of God. Therefore, acceptable worship is impossible without preaching God's word. For preaching is making known the name of the Lord, and worship is praising the name of the Lord made known. The two cannot be divorced. The word of God is fundamental to the worship of God. It's why it's the two most important components of what we do here on Sunday morning is worship and the word. And I believe the worship sets up the heart of the people to be able to receive the word. That's why we always start with worship um, and then the word. You see, there's all, all different kinds of ways that you can draw a crowd. There's all kinds of ways you can attract more people and build up more numbers, and I'm not against any of that. Okay, there's nothing wrong with being creative and using technology and being attractive and winsome in your ministry. But the one magnet the church cannot do without is the word of God. And I'll tell you what, there are churches and denominations that are doing that very thing and the results are visible for anyone to see. Those churches, those denominations are dying on the vine. We must always, always emphasize the priority of God's word. Second, we gotta emphasize the preaching of God's word. Again, when we uh, prioritize the word of God, certain things are gonna happen. And that's exactly what you see there in the early church. Acts chapter six, verse seven says, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased or multiplied rapidly. And again, that word increase rapidly is a word, again, that literally means multiply. And it may be that way in some of your translations. And what, what Luke is saying is that the, the growth of the church back then, it was so explosive that it wasn't just people being added to the church. People were being multiplied to the church. That's a big difference. And notice it's not just the number of decisions we're increasing, but the word says it's the number of disciples. And again, we got to understand in first century Palestine, the word disciple didn't mean what a lot of us think it means today. It's not referring to a pupil in a school that learned something from a notebook or, or someone that studied under a famous teacher and then they kind of just regurgitate that information. The word disciple, it's better understood or interpreted as an apprentice. A disciple back in the early days of the church was someone who didn't just learn information from a professor or a teacher. That disciple literally became a follower of that teacher and they adopted their way of life. They lived the way 
their teacher lived. And these people in the early church were becoming disciples, and, and they're hearing the preaching of God's word, and God's word's not only getting into their ears and their, their mind, it's penetrating their heart. And they not only decide to become followers of Jesus, but as a follower, they really kind of begin to live out the life of Jesus in their own walk. And again, this is what you learn. This is what you see happening there in the early church. The more people share the word of God, the more pastors and preachers preach the word of God, the more we teach the word of God, again, the more disciples that are gonna be made. That's what happens. That's the result. It's the outcome. It's the outflow when we prioritize the teaching and the preaching of God's word. And again, I've told you this before. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't even have to be seminary trained. As a matter of fact, I recommend probably skipping seminary uh, Holy Spirit is an awesome teacher. He'll teach you everything. You need to know I'm not against seminary. I have a seminary degree. I'm still paying for my seminary degree. Thank you. But I, 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 Janie and I will both tell you, I've, I've told you this story before, when we got out of seminary, somebody gave us a, a book that said everything you didn't learn in seminary, and, and we looked at each other and said, this has got to be the first in a series of many, many hundreds of books uh, that are going to be written, because there's just a lot you don't learn in seminary, and you've got to learn to rely and to listen for the voice of God and, and how to be obedient and faithful to that, and, and when you can figure that out, I, I mean, you're, you're gonna, things are going to happen. Um, so again, you don't have to be seminary trained, a pastor, a preacher. You, know, you don't even have to be a theologian to share the word of God with friends, neighbors, or people that God just puts in your path on a daily basis. The Holy Spirit in you. God living on the inside of you through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit is the magnet we need that God can use to draw others to him. Third thing is, we've got to emphasize the practice of God's word. The last part of that sentence there in verse 7, it's absolutely amazing. Listen to this. (coughs) Excuse me. Large numbers of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, now, Now look at that. It doesn't say that the faith became obedient to the priest. It doesn't say that the faith conformed to the priest. The priest conformed to the faith. The priest became obedient to the faith. Do you know why this is so amazing? No one was more against Christianity. No one despised the name of Jesus more. And no one wanted to see Christianity stopped in its tracks more than the Jewish priest. As a matter of fact, among these very priests at that time were an untold number of them who had actually participated in and helped to crucify Jesus. And yet Luke notices here when these Jewish priests heard the preaching of God's word, they were so irresistibly drawn to God, his word, that they give up their Jewish religion for a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The message the apostles and the early believers preach centered primarily around Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, 
They obviously have preached, you know, uh, along with that, the need to repent from your sins, the need to turn from your sins, the need to place your faith and trust, to make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But there was far more to the teaching and the preaching of God's word than this. Remember, back in, in those days, that they're a part of the Roman culture. They're a part. These believers are a part of the Roman Empire. And the Roman world, it was not kind to women and children. Back in those days, married men could sleep with other women, slaves and prostitutes. And usually, if they had an unwanted child uh, out of that situation, it would either be aborted or just left to die from exposure. That was the mindset back in those days. And so as these early disciples preached and taught the word of God, especially the words of Jesus, these people, they began hearing things they had never heard before, things that maybe they had forgotten, how husbands should be faithful to their wives, how even the most vulnerable and innocent in today's society, little babies should be cared for, and how women should not be treated like property, but should be treated honorably and with dignity and out of that people were drawn like iron to magnets to these unbelievable truths that were not just true not just intellectually stimulating but these truths were life changing and it's not just preaching that changes lives there's a lot of preaching that's happening around the world today And not all of that preaching will change lives because it's the preaching of God's word that changes lives. We even recognize that. And our motto here at Praise Community Church, it's everywhere. You see it everywhere in our church, changing lives through the unchanging word. We believe when God's unchanging word is preached, it will result in changed lives. It will result in better lives. Maybe not instantly, but quickly. It's not speaking truth that transforms people. It's speaking the truth of God's word that transforms people. So whatever magnet a church wants to use to draw and to attract people, if it wants to draw people to the right thing in the right way for the right reason, that magnet must be the teaching, the preaching of the word of God. It's got to be our priority and it's got to be authoritative. That's why one of our core values here at Praise Community Church is we believe the church should be culturally relevant without compromising biblical truth. As a church, what we're saying is we recognize cultural values, attitudes, beliefs change. They shift over time on a number of issues. And while at the same time, we also recognize, we acknowledge God's word does not, will not ever change or shift. I'm 56 years old, right? Am I, I'm, okay, I look at my wife. I do that sometimes and I'll get home and she's like, you're not 54, you're 56. And I mean, when I was in my 20s and first became a Christian, if you would have told me that several decades later there would be a federal law passed in this country bestowing 
the right for two people of the same sex to be legally married, I would have told you, you're crazy. Why? Because 30 years ago, I mean even 20 years ago, the universal church, and and by that, I mean the majority of churches in this country were in uniform agreement with what God's word taught on the subject and the practice of homosexuality. There was a uniform adherence to the priority and the authority of God's word. And God never changed. So what changed? What shifted? The culture changed. The culture shifted. God's word didn't change. The attitudes and the beliefs of the culture changed subtly, gradually, and over time, many churches and denominations began to change and to shift and to align themselves more and more with where the culture was and where the culture was going. And it's not just on this one issue. I mean, honestly, did did you ever in your wildest imagination think we would be having a serious national discussion about the number of genders? All of us. I mean, I was raised to believe, as many of you were raised to believe, that there were two sexes, male and female. I mean, even God's word uh, in Genesis 1.27, I mean, right out of the starting gate, It says that God created mankind. He created us in our own, in his own image. He created us male and female. And you know what? That's never been disputed. It's never been questioned since the founding of this country, much less the rest of the world, until recently. Did you you know this past January 1st, 2018, in the state of California, you can now choose a third option for your gender on a birth certificate? In California, you now legally have the option of declaring yourself as male, female, or non-binary, which means you don't consider yourself male or female. Now, surely other states are going to eventually follow California's lead on this, and it's not just other states that are going to follow California's lead on this, but you can bet churches And denominations will start to align themselves and come into agreement with this cultural shift and change. And again, my whole point here is, while we recognize the cultural shifts, the changes in attitudes on certain issues, we also know that we must maintain our relevance to speak into these cultural changes and we must first and foremost maintain our faithfulness to the priority and the authority of the word of God, what it teaches. If we're gonna be a magnetic church, like the church there in Acts, drawing people toward Jesus Christ, And I just want you to to know, when, when you decide to do that, when you decide to remain steadfast and faithful to what the Word of God teaches, regardless of what the culture says, regardless of where the culture is, regardless of where the culture's going, it comes with a price. Understand, the preaching of God's Word not only attracts people, it will also repel people. It not only draws people to God, but the word says it's going to drive people away from God. The Bible talks about, you know, the word of God. It's a stumbling block. 
And, and it's, it's designed, God designed it that way. Oftentimes, we want to try to take the stumbling block aspect out of that, and you can't do that. God designed the word on purpose to be a stumbling block to many, and it's designed to be that way. So again, it not only draws people to God, but it'll drive people away from God when they don't accept its truth. And here's what we can be confident knowing, and I'm going to close with this. When the word of God is spread, when it is faithfully taught and prioritized, people of all walks of life will become disciples, they will become followers of Jesus, and that was the result in the book of Acts, and it will be the result. It'll be the thing that happens every other place. Obedience and faithfulness to God's word is practiced. The early church in Acts was committed to this, And this church is committed to this as well. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together this morning. Father, we just again thank you. We thank you for the example that you have given to us of the early church, the magnets that, that you used, God, to attract and to build and to expand your kingdom here upon this earth. And God, we as a church, we seek, we desire to be a magnetic church like that church there in Acts. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you again would just continue to lead us, continue to guide us as a church, as leaders, as members, as attenders, as worshipers. God, that you would continue to lead us that, God, we would remain steadfast and faithful to the teaching and the preaching of your word. God, I pray that your hand would continue to be over this church, that, God, your favor would continue to be over this church, over its leadership, over our pastors, over our congregation, and that, God, we would again remain steadfast, that, God, we would keep our eyes fixed upon you, that, God, we would continue to remain steadfast and faithful to the teaching, to the applying, to the living out of your word. And, God, we believe, Lord, that when we commit ourselves to doing that, that the results, the things we saw happening there in the first church would also happen here. And, Father, we welcome that. Lord, we also ask, Lord, that you would just again Put a hedge of protection around us, around our leadership. That, God, we would be able to withstand the arrows of the enemy. That, God, we would be able to withstand the temptations of culture, the temptation to conform to culture. And that, God, again, we would willingly, that we would consistently, faithfully choose to follow after you regardless of the cost. And Father, again, we thank you for the witness of the early church. May that be our witness before you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.